feel like um, I am getting less technically incompetent as the weeks go by. Yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> We're starting to master it. <laughs> I know. We'll be reading the news at 10 before long, you know. Oh my God, that's my dream job. <laughs> Is it? Would you love yeah. to be a I'm either, reader? Either that or a weather woman. <laughs> <laughs> I could make a joke about that, but I'm not no, thinking quickly enough. No, please don't. <laughs> Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. This week we've got Tom Connell coming to chat to us. The son of two hairdressers, Tom was probably destined to be a hairdresser. As a youngster, he joined his parents in their wig and salon before going on to train at Andrew College, then worked with Trevor Sorby. He spent many years with Trevor as a mentor and rose to be artistic director of the company. But most recently, he's moved again to work with a brand... Tom is now in a global role as Hair Art Director for Davenes. Um, prior to lockdown for COVID-19, he travelled quite extensively. So we're quite interested in, in what, th- what he thinks a post-pandemic world of hairdressing might look like. Will this experience force us to be more fragmented or just bring us together? Oh, I know. Yeah, he's, he has been travelling an awful lot. I followed his social media before this all happened and I know he did a big massive tour of North America so uh, yeah interesting he was busy yeah we'll find out what lockdown is like for Tom Connell and what he thinks the new normal will be in global hairdressing great Hello. hello and welcome to the respectfully podcast I'm Lauren Stone and I'm Nikki Pope and with us online visually on screen and therefore in person we have tom connell Yay. hi guys hi guys Yay. welcome little clappy, happy clapping yeah uh it's good to see you you too i think one thing that i'm loving about the uh, lockdown if loving is a proper word but i'm liking is that we know where everybody is so we can get hold of you yeah. all because yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's easy to get appointments with people <laughs> exactly yeah so having said that I know you have been very busy in the lockdown but so Tom we've got you you are currently talking to us from London which yes. continues yeah, to be right. your base but you mm. are now in this fantastic global role with Davenes mm. um do we call you we don't do we call you an ambassador or not really because uh, you are directly no, working for the brand aren't you yeah, yeah I'm employed by Davenes uh that, that was something that was quite important to me I'm, I'm kind of if, if I'm in something, I'm fully in, uh, and I didn't want to be kind of, you know, an external contractor that was um, kind of jumping in and out when, when needed. I wanted to be fully immersed in, in the brand. So, yeah, I'm with, with Davines full time. Fantastic. But Davines isn't in London. Well, I mean, I know they are because there was mm. a Davines uh, stronghold here, but Davines is Italian. Yeah, yeah, it's based in Parma. Um, so Parma's obviously the head office. They've got an amazing village over there. Uh, but my role takes me there every month, a couple of times a month. Uh, and then, obviously, around the world, North America is a, a huge thing for Davines, as is the rest of Europe and South America and Asia. So I was, I was, my trips were just kicking in for the year, and then, yeah. obviously, it's come screeching to a halt. But, yeah, I work with the, the Davines UK team based in London. Based in but... London. So um, you are... What's your remit, really, as the the, the global director, um, mm. hairdressing director? What what does that mean? I suppose uh, what it means, is, I suppose the first line of my job description is to direct and develop the hair identity of Davenes, which is 
pretty big no, task. No pressure. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which I kind of like. I like that. So my, I um, work on overseeing the, the development of all of the collections, um, all of the photography work. Uh, I'm going to have a strong hand in developing and shaping the education output. And then um, you'd probably know Davines have kind of three tiers of shows. They have a vibe show, which is a local show like in London. And then they have uh, a her on stage, which tends to be like a national show. And then they have every 18 months, the worldwide her tour, oh, yeah. which was in Iceland last time. Yeah. It was it was going to be in New York in October, which then I will do a big show for that. So yeah. it's going to be... It's going to be a, a mixture of collections, education development, mentoring the, the Davines art team and then yeah. producing like large scale shows. Yeah. And you've got big boots to fill in a way um, mm. because Davines has a very strong cutting heritage, although it's, it's a product, care and styling and colour, um, mm. brilliant colour products. But following on the likes of Tim Hartley and Angelo Seminara. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 already. Uh, it's not something that that you're coming in and looking at. Uh, what is wrong that you want to fix? Because nothing's wrong and everything's everything's pretty great. You just want to put your stamp and help it develop into the years to to come. Um, but I suppose I, I kind of had to do a similar thing at, at Trevor Sorby mm-hmm. because Trevor Sorby obviously was already a huge name, hugely respected creatively. So it's almost, yeah, you're right, it's more of a challenge to come into something like that because then how do you leave your, your footprint and how do you develop it in your own way? And I managed to do it successfully with Trevor Sorby, so I'm going to uh, go and give it a go. Yeah. This as well. I reckon you'll be pretty successful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so clearly, it's in, you know, the clue is in the title, it's a, it's a global role, um, but, you know, ironically just a few months in we have the the lockdown which again is that fantastic word unprecedented in that it's a global Mm. experience so it's happening everywhere so it isn't even just about when we can you know get out of the house back here in England in the UK it is happening everywhere so that's a bit of a curveball for a for a global role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. The, the the diary was was full for the year. Um, yeah. And then obviously that's come screeching to a halt, and things are being pushed and moved. And I think everything's very fluid because we don't know what's going to be. You know, best case scenario, it all kind of is 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 eased and lockdowns are eased, and we don't have any second spikes and things start getting back to normal mid mid to late summer. Um, but we don't we don't know that. So I suppose from, from my point of view, what what I'm trying to do is um, say if I I don't know. Say it takes me eight weeks to produce a show, or six week eight weeks to produce a, a photography co- co- collection concept. That's what I'm using the time doing. So as soon as we get the green light, I'm ready to go. There's no there's no preparation time. There's no you I'm do know you're the, now, the, yeah. Yeah, I'm preparing the creative concept for for sem- for some seminars I have in mind for a, a new ph- photography collection for a new large scale show, and then as yeah. soon as we go, it's a case of casting the models, speaking to already speaking to clothes stylists, things like that, just to get mm. so to be as 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 prepared and to ready to react when whenever we can. But I think uh, you've just got to look at it like a. There's a restri- I think I said on an email to you the other day, Nikki, I always look at the way things are rather than the way I would like things to be. Yeah. I think that's a good way to just approach life in, in general. And um, so I'm looking at, okay, is the, if the new normal is going to be a restriction on a number of people, and you know maybe large scale shows aren't going to be possible for X amount of months, 
then let's use it to our advantage and let's try and have a more of an intimate thing because that's what I enjoy anyway when I go on stage or whether when I do a, a seminar I enjoy it to be like an intimate conversation so I want whether the, there might be 2,000 people in the audience but I want each person to feel like it's a one-on-one thing mm-hmm. right. uh, and yeah. there's, there's some message or some lesson that I'm giving that they can really take away that's personal to them so if 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 the the what we need to do needs to be in a smaller group of 10 20 people that are spaced out due to social distancing that's just going to give me a a more of an opportunity to really engage with with those people and do you think a lot of your work is going to change to be done virtually do you think you'll be doing more seminars or do you think it will go back to you know um, being connected i think this i think some some will have to won't they i think i think some some will definitely have to to change but uh I, I don't I really don't think there's a substitute for being face to face and having that shared experience that's why people go to watch music yeah they, they, they can listen to Spotify but they still want to go to Brixton Academy to watch something because there's like there's a shared it's experience, the, yeah, it's, the experience. it's in the air yeah. isn't it uh, and I, I don't think you can get that through a screen I think you can gain education techniques but certainly for what I've always tried to do is to provide something on a show that you can't get through a screen mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it. So. I think it will, and it should force us to re-examine how much we do travel, um, to deliver some things, and and mm. to me that would fit with the ethos of Davenis, which is sustainability, Absolutely, and yeah. you know. But I think on a broad level, we should all be looking at that. Just how much we'd almost perhaps got to the point where we would fly off somewhere at the drop of a hat, you mm. know, and, mm. and travel had actually got not only easier but vastly cheaper, you know cost mm. per per mile if you like um i know taxis are always a big part of a ticket but even so you know it's just ridiculously easy to to get mm. somewhere um yeah you, you you don't want to be flying somewhere because someone's saying i'm going to give you an award and you fly in and you get the trophy and you thanks and you, you go home you know what who's get what who's getting what out of that yeah. other than more emissions yeah uh, i think if, you, if you're doing something that's going to further the conversation in the industry and it's some worthwhile work that you want to share one-on-one with people or, or face-to-face with people then great but I, I agree with you I think there's going to be a lot of things that that will either be looked at as not needed or we looked at as can be done or online yeah and I think that the things that we do do should be valued better mm. so I think hopefully at one end it will it will make us think well do we actually need to do that and then equally if we are going to do it maybe we should value it more mm. and make it mean more and you know pay more attention to it if you like because do, you, you, do you think that this will this will make um shows better attended and easier to sell yeah, I hope tickets so. for set shows and seminars because people will really value that kind of face-to-face shared experience in, in a room yeah well I think so it's, it's funny isn't it Lauren and I were chatting so I think this this is a global experience this the pandemic and the lockdown but I think different nationalities and different attitudes will come to bear on how we how we go forward with it so um, in some of our projects we have good connections with France and and Mm. Italy and I think mainland Europe seems to be more cautious in Mm. raising the lockdown than perhaps you know we're all itching to get out and get mm-hmm. back to work and and get back to whatever the new normal is and see each other and I can't wait mm-hmm. to you know see people again and be together and yet uh, you know some of the vibe from Europe is like oh well even when the lockdown's lifted we're going to be really careful about going mm-hmm. outdoors because so I think 
you know, perhaps some kind of national characteristics will yeah will, will show. Well, this that I, I was I was saying this to my wife earlier today. This this worries me a little bit because those num you know say let's take Italy and Spain. Those numbers are coming down, yeah. but they've had a so much more of a tighter lockdown than us. We've not really had a lockdown. No, not people are still going for walks in Richmond Park. They haven't been doing that in Italy and Spain. So that. That that's that's a that's a worrying thing that hopefully that's not had a, doesn't have an effect yeah. on the UK long term. Yeah, I think that the when we come through this, I hope it changes something. Obviously, I don't want it to change lots, but even a small change can have a massive effect. So I think mm. if we even just slightly readjust our mm. our perception of things, um, I think that even on like a personal level, I think you know I'll definitely mm. be shopping more locally and things like that. Mm. Just. You know, things that you take for granted, you go to Sainsbury's and you get everything, but actually, you know, I've had really good quality, like, you know, fruit boxes and things like that, for example. I think that kind of yeah. stuff will change. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think certainly from a neighbour point of view, I've never, I know, I used to know either side of my house. Yeah. But I think I know everyone in the street yeah. <laughs> through, through talking and through, through passing on the street, yeah. and especially with the kids and things. So I think it's... Uh, that's great. And the country was quite divided after like Brexit and things. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is like a, a, con, a common enemy that yeah. mm. political yeah. opinions don't really matter. Everyone's in agreement that, yeah. that you know. So I think so. Nice. I think in, like you say, in, in a way the world's become smaller, that we're mm. looking to our, our localities a bit more perhaps. On the other hand, and particularly in hairdressing, our world's got bigger. I'm seeing people online and I'm talking with people in... They're much more accessible, you know, mm. apart from the fact that everyone's at home, so we can we know where you all are. But yeah. actually, one of the really uplifting experiences that we've had as a as a media company is in having conversations and exchanges and ideas, not just on on broadcasts and, and Instagram licensings, but on email and, and messaging. Mm. So I feel as though the world's got bigger for me in some ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're certainly seeing many more people mm. um, than than what than what you would have than what you would have otherwise done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People, so, even even hairdressers that don't normally do things. Yeah, I think if I we do. can if we can hold on to that a bit, um, but yeah, so I think that we've had this shared experience, but it's going to mean different things to different people in different countries. Mm-hmm. So, it's we need to be mindful of that as well. Have well, how different, different cultures react to it. Yeah, different. and also the experiences, you know, gosh, goodness me, if you're in the States at the moment um, mm. and you're going through it there, that's probably a very different experience from being here or in Italy, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's quite frightening. And I think also there are countries we've had conversations or we've had messages from um, friends in countries like Russia mm. where they don't get the information that we get. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah they're not getting daily briefings every day telling them the numbers and... No, exactly. I mean, I have to admit it's for entertainment purposes only, but I mean, I'll quite often watch the American briefings at 10 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> in a way that I never no, wouldn't have paid much attention previously. So, but I think, so I think we take that for granted as well, that, mm. that we have um, so much information. Well, um, also, you're look, you're, like you say, you're looking to different parts of the world for their news and it's, you, you are more connected to other countries and what, what everyone else is doing. We're following different patterns of, you know, we're looking at what the industry is doing in Italy because they're a bit ahead of us and we're looking at what mm. they're doing in Australia because they're, you know, so you are connected. 
Yeah. And I think I th- it's good that, that it's just what, what it proves is, other than a small pocket of people maybe that are protesting, everyone that is pretty dependent, no matter what your outlook or political sways are, everyone's inherently good. Yeah. And everyone inherently doesn't want people to die from no, an illness. Exactly. And everyone wants to protect health services around the world. And I think that's, it just shows that that's a, a common thread through, through every country, really. Yeah. I think it is. I think that that it's such an interesting shared experience. But as I say, different depends on the media, depends on the connectivity that you get. I think to go back to the comment you made earlier, Tom, about live events, I, I'm with you. I do think that um, we've had the opportunity in the past, not through pandemics and awful things, but we could choose to um, just watch everything on our phones. We could choose to mm-hmm. never go to a, a live music concert again. I mean, that's a really fantastic example of how actually the ticket prices for live events have shot through the roof. Mm. You know, when I was younger, to go to a live gig was virtually, you know, that they get you in so that you pay mm. a lot of money for the music, the, the albums, the mm. LPs and CDs and tapes, as they were then. <laughs> now they're giving away the music so that you buy the expensive ticket to the event. Mm. So I think it will be interesting to see what does come back for the hairdressing industry i think shows should survive Mm. and will survive i think um lots of expensive gala dinners might fall by the wayside good (laughs) (laughs) big fan of those Uh, Uh, i think as well i think I think it'll trim the fat off the industry. I, th- I think I think it'll, it'll what it'll mean is, and this happens in a recession or anything, which most likely we're going to have anyway. Um, it means that people want quality, yeah. Absolutely. And whether that's whether they're buying her education or whether they're buying a ticket to a show or her products or her cut in a salon, you know, a client coming in off the street, they got they will spend the money, but they'll want quality, mm-hmm. which I think if if only makes the industry stronger in the long run. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. because people will either have to continue delivering quality or change what they're doing to make it of a quality standard. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. And again, coming back to that idea of the locality. So um, while Lauren commented that you know supporting local businesses is something that equally I'm interested to do, but when people get back to back to business, whether mm. it's as a, a salon owner or as a part of a team or a brand, I think surely we're going to have a few months where people are very focused on their their mm. own part you know building business back up yes building the team back up so i think that the sort of international or even global gatherings will take a knock in the short term um, mm. and that's the foundation isn't it of the industry you know you you mentioned earlier on that i come i grew up in a, a salon in in wigan in the north of england so i've seen from going on, say, a big stage for Trevor Sorby or Daveness all the way to in my dad's salon in Wigan. So I understand the challenges that every dif- different phase of the industry um, gives. And there will be a lot of people that are going to... The focus has to be the, the businesses to make sure that they're successful because without the businesses being successful, they can't buy education and they can't buy products and they can't and there's no one then there's no one coming to watch me on stage. So I think it's always for anyone, whether you're a global ambassador for a big brand or whatever, you're being employed by the people that are in the audience. Really, they're your employers for that night. And if their businesses aren't thriving, they're not going to employ you to put on that show. So I think no matter no matter how um whatever level your job gets to in the industry, you need to that those people that the, whether it's a two chair salon or a fifty chair salon in London, it needs that they need to be successful. Yeah. And one thing that we've been doing at Daveness is so we 
with the Davines art team, we train, uh, we teach them the collection, so then they can go out and teach that out to all the national trainers, which then go out to all the regional trainers, and that's how it, it spreads across the world. Um, so something that we were having to do in June is to, to teach that to, to the Davines art team, obviously digitally, but we, we've had to, myself and Ashley, who um, is going to be um, teaching the colour techniques, we've had to clear our diary so that we can work around them because if, if the lockdown is lifting, say, in Italy, their priority has to be looking after their clients. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and if, if they're doing split shifts and they're working till 10 in the evening or they're working all day. So I might be doing an education session on the collection at 10 at night for them mm -hmm. digitally. Right. But that's just what we have to do to them looking after their clients and getting their business going again has to be the number one priority. And yeah. I have to work around them. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is the right thing to do, I think. And do you think that um, I'm asking this question because I am I know you're very also very close to the worlds of sort of fashion and, and media and other creative industries. Do you think that what's happening with those industries will impact on hairdressing? So the fashion industry is whether it's on the retail side is going to take a massive hit and that's going mm. to have to change. And equally on the sort of designer side, even if it's the fashion weeks that would normally take place and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Do you have you got a view on whether that will will bleed through to hairdressing and have an impact because we're quite close to yeah i think you might i think you might find a lot of session stylists if if the shoots you know start to dry up a little bit because the brands aren't shooting or some of the more independent indie magazines haven't got the budgets that they had um if their shoots are drying up maybe you'll you'll see them come maybe back into the the hair industry mm -hmm. as a um, and, you know, start doing clients more, or maybe doing education more. I've already noticed a couple of them doing that. And obviously, because they have such great skills, it's really valuable education as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think you might find some of the maybe more session hairdressers coming back into, back to their bread and butter, uh, yeah. um, which is a good thing for the industry, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Brilliant. Yeah. And, um, Oh, I'm hogging all the questions here. <laughs> I was going to... Shall I let you get a word in or shall I carry on? No, you go for it. <laughs> um, so your parents, is their salon still going in Wigan? Uh, no, no, they're, no, they're retired. No, oh, they don't. Because I was yeah. interested. So what kind of conversations do you have with your mum and dad about hairdressing? If they, you know, uh, there you are, literally, well, prior to this, travelling internationally and here, there and everywhere and, and so on. Do they follow you? Do they... Follow, are they social media followers? Do you have yeah, conversations? Yeah, my mum. Uh, my, dad, my dad is the one that's, that's kind of really in, engrossed me in the industry. He was telling me about Vidal Sassoon and Trevor Sorby when most dads were telling the kids about Maradona and Pelé. You know, <laughs> I, was, I was 15 and I knew, I knew who Roger Thompson was when I was like 15 or whatever. <laughs> um, but, but my mum is someone that's very kind of active on social media which is good because no matter whatever you post no matter how bad it is you always know you're getting one <coughs> like off my mum yeah <laughs> um, so uh yeah she 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 follows it very very closely and always comes to all the tribute shows and oh yeah uh, oh brilliant yeah, so they, well they, we approve like of that yeah <laughs> actually that's uh yeah i've got a mum who's also very supportive so that's that's really yeah awesome. it's nice isn't it yeah definitely definitely um so what what have you seen? So during this sort of, you know, few weeks, are you seeing a good level of output? And perhaps I'll break that down and say not only content, because, I mean, it's great that we've got content for everybody. But, mm. um, you know, suddenly everybody's on Instagram, everybody's broadcasting and speaking. Mm. Do you think that um, 
you know, have you had a, an amusing time wandering around the airwaves looking at things? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. I think it's there's there's so much different stuff and there's people that don't normally do it and you can see that they're not so uh, maybe experienced in it and then there's people that are really, really experienced in it. Um, but one thing you've got is just choice, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit like Netflix. If you don't if you don't like something, you just don't click on it. Um, yeah. And that's that's the, the, the way I look at it. So I... I, I but I've seen great education from so many different people that, that wouldn't normally do education. So it's been really valuable. And just some talks as well to listen to some people. There, there was a guy uh, called Howard McLaren, um, you know, from the oh, yes, yes. He did an amazing he was, talk. He was um, uh, Bumble and Bumble, I think, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah for years. Day. And um, he's one of the founders of Aronco now. And he, his talk was just so interesting yeah. um, that, that I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to, to listen to an interview with him. So, yeah, it's, and Guido obviously did one who doesn't really do anything like that. Absolutely. That was very interesting. No, that so, was yeah. very nice. I've been, um, and Anthony Muscolo is one that I've really noticed. It's mm. really taken to, to it, which is really nice, I think, to see. It has been so, good yeah, to great. just, you know, give you a bit of calm to just stop and listen and, like you say, take a bit of time to get a bit of education and soak up a bit of knowledge from all these other people as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like um, Nikki and I spoke, mentioned on, a, on, on, on email, didn't we, about you know, there's, there's different levels of education and different things. And I've, I, I have heard a few rumblings as well of people that don't like some education that's out there and this shouldn't, this shouldn't be done. And, but I'm like it's, like, it's like if you're watching like a comedian on Netflix and you click on it and you go, oh, I'm offended. Well, yeah, just, just don't click it on it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You've, invi- you've invited them into your living room. Yeah. Don't invite them in. If you don't want to watch it, just don't watch it. And it's, I, I'm a big thing because you, you, you never know what level that person is. They might not have been exposed to the same education as mm-hmm. someone else. So everyone's just trying to, to do their best and alleviate maybe some boredom and improve themselves. So yeah. oh, good okay. on. more power to them, I think. Could you imagine going through this without that oh, ability, God. that connectivity, you know, what if we didn't have the internet? Well, 10 years ago, had... it would have been a different story, really. I mean, with the social media yeah. and everything, it's blown up, hasn't it? So, yeah. I think I'd be divorced now, haven't <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll move away from, from that uh, strand of conversation. Have you guys found that you've kind of stepped back and appreciating, like, simpler things as well, as much as we joke about the internet? Have you... Because I, I have even just taking my daughter to the park for yeah. an hour in the morning. I don't leave, don't take my phone, don't let anything other than my keys. And just sitting down in, with a coffee in the park and letting her run around, it, it's quite... You wouldn't really normally get to do that, No, totally. I've noticed things about the kids as well that I'm like, oh, you know, what they're interested in and actually really talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, as much as you can with a two- and three-year-old. But, you know, really understanding them and how, what makes them tick. And, yeah, you know, I found it fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Well, my, mine are older. I think we spent the first week or two avoiding each other. I, I sort of lived on the top floor and they, they had the middle floor. But actually, you know, we, we, we play games in the evening. We had a, a really rowdy, in a good way, game of Monopoly the other night. I haven't played Monopoly <laughs> for years. Yeah. Um, and it got, I think it went on for about three and a half hours, um, but, which is why I don't play it very often. But yeah, so, uh, so things like that, I think, is... Um, nice, I isn't think, it? Yeah. yeah. We bought a pack of cards, but then my daughter's hid the Jack of Diamonds, so basically we can't play. So hopefully that uh, when we come through this, our, our global perspective will remain and that we will, see, we will see each other still as a very connected community, but equally have that, you know, focus on our own lo- local and national community as well. So. Mm, yeah, Good. it's going to be... Uh... 
going to make for very interesting times, isn't it? It is indeed. Any difficult time, though, in history has always had great creativity come out of it. Yeah. yeah. It's always, uh, people always produce, don't they, when they're, when they're kind of backed into a corner. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Well, fashion and beauty in particular, so mm. excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you for your yeah, time. Thanks, Tom. No, thank you. To thanks for the invite. Take care. <laughs> no worries. See Take you care. Later. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this Respectfully podcast. You can find a library of conversations with people from the UK hairdressing industry on the Respectfully podcast listing on iTunes. If you like what you hear, please do rate and review us as it helps to drive us up the charts. Thank you.